listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. One of the things that obviously plagues not only unbelievers, but believers is um, the devil would love to destroy your relationships. No question. You know, one of the things, and and we think about this, that the way that the devil attacks the next generation is by destroying the peace and the joy of the current generation. Right. And you think about the fact that kids don't just need a mother. Kids need a father. You think about how rough it is for children that have to grow up in a single parent home. And many of you that are watching, you might be single parents and you've done a phenomenal job with your kids, but shouldn't have had to do that. You should have been able to have someone helping you. (coughs) And so um, you think about how the devil wants to destroy the next generation by destroying the family unit. And, And think about how many issues that they've proven have taken place because of the fact uh, that there was a parent missing from the home and uh, it affects the personalities, the lives, the outcomes of the children in those homes. And um, not to say that if you are in that situation, God can't bless your children or help your children. Of course he can. And of course he will. But it's something the devil uses to destroy families. He destroys relationships. And so thinking about that, I was interested because I wanted to know, like, what are the main reasons that people say they get divorced. You know, what What are the main things listed when people are saying, well, we're breaking up this covenant marriage, whether saved or unsaved. And uh, there was a study done. Maybe we'll post the link for you guys to see later. They did a study and uh, interviewed a ton of people. And this is what they found. These were the top 10 reasons that were listed by the people who uh, they interviewed. And we wanted to just kind of go through them. They're like the, the top 10 reasons people get divorced. And show you what the Bible says about each individual one of those. Because here's the thing. Is any problem that exists in the world, the word of God has a solution to it. Any problem that exists in the world. Think about that for a second. The word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. Any problem, there's a solution in the word of God. There's never going to be something you'll face that God can't heal, that God can't touch, he can't deliver you from. All things are possible to them that believe. And you think about this. You think God can raise the dead, but he can't heal your marriage? Of course he can. He can open blind eyes and he can't heal your marriage. Of course he can. Of course he can. As I sent the text out this morning, many of you got the text that I sent out this morning and some of you wrote back, uh, pray for me because that's exactly what we're going through right now. We're on the brink of divorce. We're having relationship and marital problems. And I'm telling you, this is going to help you today. And so we want to just kind of go through these and take you into the word of God and show you, uh, even though these are the top 10 listed reasons, God's word provides an answer for all of these issues. So uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to open it with us. We're going to look into some scriptures in just a moment. And I want to read these to you and we'll, we'll go through them one by one. But um, it's very interesting because I, I, obviously they weren't inter- interviewing Christian people. It's just all people. And I was very interested to find some of these uh, answers. And the first one, by the way, we're going to go from 10 to 1. 
But I was very interested. Listen to the very first one. This blows my mind. Um, when they interviewed all these people, <clears throat> um, the first thing they found out was when they listed, what, why are you getting divorced or why did you get divorced? The very first one was religious differences. Religious differences. I thought, I thought that was so interesting. The very first issue was religious differences. And you know what? That is a massive issue. And one of the things that you, you and I talk about often, of course, for years, uh, Carolyn and I did a lot of um, youth camps, youth conferences, youth retreats, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and one of the things that it seems like people just don't have a big issue with is dating unbelievers. Yeah. You know, remember how I used to always start the first night? I, I would talk about getting saved and everything. And then I'd say, how many of you in here are dating somebody that's not a Christian? You know, all the young people's hands go up because they think we're going to say, this year we're going to get them saved or whatever. I'd say, good. When this service is over, call them up and break up with them. You know, and everybody hand shoots down. Yeah. But doesn't but it I seem like think, no one has an issue? Because I don't think it was really taught. You know, when when I look back and I, I mean, I went to some good youth groups, but I, I look back and I think in my mind as a young person, it was just knowing that they were a Christian was enough and then we can grow together and we're both going to heaven. But then as you realize, as you get older, like there's more to it. You need to be on the same page about way more than just going to heaven together. Yeah. And, and most way of those people, more. especially at that age, they go to church because their parents go to church. It doesn't yeah. have, they don't believe it themselves. Right. They're not into it. They're just there because their parents are taking them. Right. So they may not even truly even have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's the case, you're too young to date anyway. <laughs> well, true. But, but the thing, think about it. How in our generation, how common is it for people to say, well, you know, I, it doesn't affect me. You know, it doesn't affect me. You know, that's somebody from my work and I'm just believing that God will change them through me. It doesn't work like that. As AJ said, even evangelistic dating is not a ministry calling. You can't French kiss them into the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. And so people don't think it's a big deal. They don't think it's a big deal at all. And uh, the Bible specifically speaks against it. Yeah. Paul the Apostle spoke against it. And, for, and of course, if you have your Bible... I want you to turn there with me. And he wrote this to the Corinthian church because he knew what an issue it was, knew what a problem it was. And so he wanted to let them know. And this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll start reading verse 14. Listen to this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what accord does Christ have with the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So think about this. Paul is specifically condemning yoking yourself up with an unbeliever. It's a mistake. It's a massive mistake. I mean, think about how it, the ramifications of it, right? You get married. To somebody, you know, because everything's cool when you're dating them. It's like, oh yeah, whatever you want. You marry somebody like yeah. that. And then here's what happens. All of the issues. Well, I ain't going to church. I never went to church. You know, don't try to force me to change to go to church because you go to church. But then you start going to church and then you start tithing. Well, then your husband or your wife is ticked off because 10% of the household money is going to this church they don't even go to. All they want your money. You're going to give 10% of my hard-earned money. You know, and they start freaking out. 
all these different things. And then the farther you go, the more of a divide there is in your marriage. You want to live according to the word. You want to see the Holy Ghost flow in your home. You want to see Christian uh, disciplines being enacted with your children in your home. And your husband or your wife doesn't feel the same. What's going to happen? It's the most important thing in your life, your relationship with Christ. But it just starts to bring a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger divide if your husband or wife is not serving the Lord. That's one of the main probably questions I get, you know, or people that need prayer is because healing, you know, that's a big, that's a big one. Like you said, uh, tithing, giving so many times it, that's on the major things in the word of God. That is what they're struggling with. And like he said, it might be there at the beginning, but then you have to realize what if something goes on, like there's going on right now in the world with the economy is is that person you dated that's so gung ho about tithing then still going to be and understand that you keep doing what you're supposed to do and never retreat when something like that happens in the world you know it, it makes a big difference at, at the dating point for later on in life marriage regardless if you're on the same page with a lot of things um it's still going to be a work you still have to we still have to work at it. I mean, you and I work at it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and even though we're it's on the same It's a lot of work, page, guys. A lot of work. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's never work, but this, what we're talking about as number one first is the foundation. The foundation has to be there in order for you to grow. You you guys are always going to grow in the word of God. Oh, yeah. I mean, for yourself and together as a couple, but the foundation has to be there in the belief part first. Yeah. Uh, as a rock in order to grow on. Yeah, no question. And you think about this this thought of religion. I've seen people that, you know, the wife is a Catholic and the husband's a Pentecostal Christian, Protestant. You know, there's a big divide between what a Catholic believes and a Pentecostal Christian believes. Huge divide. You know, so when you're thinking about this, and this is, by the way, the importance of obeying the word and being led by the spirit. It's very important that you know these principles ahead of time. I know that not everybody was blessed to grow up as a Christian, grow up in a Christian home. Parents had them attending church. I know that was not everybody's story, but now it's important. And of course, by the way, um, if, if you are saved and your husband's not, and you're just now hearing this teaching, the Bible teaches it is not grounds to divorce them and say, well, you know, he's not a Christian, so I'm getting rid of him. No, it says, let your glory, let the anointing on your life be the anointing that sanctifies your home and keep praying for your husband, keep praying for your wife, believing for their salvation, obviously. But for those of you that aren't saved, it's important to know that it's never okay to just start teaming up, dating, getting engaged to marrying an unbeliever. It's a literal uh, contradiction to a command given from the Holy Spirit to the church. Because the Holy Spirit, listen to this, God loves you enough to know that if you make these mistakes, it will bring destruction and actually it will bring a problem to your own personal life. It'll bring hurt. It'll bring brokenness to your own personal life. So the Holy Spirit wants to protect you from hurt, wants to protect you from problems and brokenness and broken hearts. He wants to protect. So he gives you instructions ahead of time to make sure that you're on the same page. And I love the point my wife made because I, I personally put this into effect for not just those that are unbelievers and believers, but also people that don't even believe the same things in Christianity. 
For example, think about how hard of a marriage this would be if my wife was a Southern Baptist who believed that was, you know, she was a cessationist, didn't believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for today, that anybody who speaks in tongues is just being deceived. It's a demon deceiving uh, them because the God doesn't do that now and miracles aren't for today and healing's not for today. While I'm trying to be a, a Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal evangelist. So now every meeting we go to, anytime I speak in tongues, anytime I try to lay hands on the sick, anytime I try to believe for miracles, when we get home, she's all ticked off and starts chewing my ear off about the fact you're doing stuff that's false doctrine and that's demonic. How can you believe that the, our, our whole marriage and the ministry is going to be in complete turmoil and destruction because although we both say we're Christians and on our way to heaven, we don't believe anything the same when it comes to how we look at Bible doctrine. That's why it's important to be on the same page. Um, you, you've got to, how can two walk together unless they be agreed about the direction? So, you know, if, if you link arms with me, covenant is a linking together. Remember this, covenant is a linking together. When you take those two candles and light the unity candle, that's a sign that two people are now becoming one in union. And if she wants to pull that way and I want to pull this way, there's going to be tension in the marriage, constant tension. And she's running it. We can't and walk together. And someone has to give. Right. And or they get divorced. Yeah. Who, who, who's going to give? Who, who's going to give? The one, then, then the person who believes in healing and prosperity and this about the Bible, then now is going to change their beliefs because now they're giving in to the one who doesn't. Right. Or You know what I mean? It's not, the Bible says that um, obedience is better than sacrifice. So we can be obedient to the word of God and who we are supposed to marry and who we are supposed to date from the very beginning. That's right. And then we won't have to sacrifice anything because all obedience is rewarded with the blessings of God. The Bible says, what God puts together, let no man, mm -hmm. that's a natural man, let right. no man separate. Right. So nothing should be getting in the way for a separation That's of unity with the husband and wife. Mm -hmm. Let no man separate. So when you get that person that you're going to marry, make sure it is the right one. Yeah. <laughs> and he will tell you, you never, ever, ever, ever have to wander through life not knowing the plan that God has for you. No question. Ever have to not, never have to, <clears throat> am I making this decision? He, he he says clearly in the word of God, he will tell you. All you have to do is ask, listen, yeah. and obey. That's right. And remember this, because there's there's always that nutty, super spiritual Christian be like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading me to be with this person because I know he has a mission for this. The Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict <laughs> the written word of God. The Holy Spirit is not, is not ever going to be at odds with what God said, ever. Yes, I'm saying different religions shouldn't marry each other, Joseph. Exactly what yes. I'm saying. Exact, because it's, I'm not saying it. The Holy Spirit said it. The Holy Spirit, God said it. That's why Paul wrote it to the Corinthians. God said it. And so you have to go by what the Holy Spirit inspired in his word and what Paul wrote to the church. You know, we as Christians get so weak and what we're supposed to be doing.
There are other religions out there that serve a dead God right. that have zero power that would take a stance on... I mean, people get killed in other religions for marrying somebody outside of their religion. Totally, And here yeah. we are. We're like, oh, well, there's hope for them and possibility. It's like, no. And while there is... Why aren't we sticking up for the things of God? Why aren't we obeying the word of right. God? Why are we doing what the word of God says? Yeah. Well, and, and while there is hope for that person and while they could be saved... Marriage is not the tool that God used to bring people to Jesus. <laughs> See that? It's, it's very important to understand this. Marriage is not God's method of salvation. Evangelism is God's method of salvation. As AJ said, and I've said that to young people for years, evangelistic dating is not a thing. Uh, she said, it's, a, it's kind of confusing when the word says that God knows the plans he has for you. So if he's got a plan, but somehow he doesn't have a specific person for us, it's up to us to choose. I don't see how those two schools of thought can exist at the same time. And she's exactly right. God does have a plan for every person. And so you should be led by the spirit. I, I don't think those two thoughts do exist at the same time, Mackenzie. I think that you should uh, obviously seek the Lord and be led by the spirit on who you marry. No question about it. And, and the thing, have a person for you. Yeah, for for, for <laughs> I love Cody. Flirt to convert. There, there is a plan of God for your life. I do believe you should seek the Lord. It's one of the most important decisions of your entire. Do you know I didn't even ask her on a date until I fasted and prayed for three days, March twenty fifth uh, through the twenty seventh of two thousand and five. It was Good Friday through Easter Sunday, and I fasted. And prayed for three days because I said, I'm not even going to bother getting involved in a relationship uh, with Carolyn if she's not the one God has for me. It's a waste of my time. So what did I do? I thought she was hot. I thought she was amazing. I thought she, her, I loved her personality. I thought she was very interesting. But that none of that matters. <laughs> I was trying. I, well, I was trying to show that I wasn't like That's shallow. That's so lame. Well, I, I don't want to make that. She was very interesting. She looked good in jeans. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know. I want I wanted to be sure because none of that stuff matters if she's not for me, right? You can be as hot as you are, you can be as interesting as you are, you can be as wonderful as you are, but if it's not God's plan, then it's not for me. And so I made sure to take the time to consult the Lord. Is this right or is this not right? And when I felt the green light, I went straight after her. And you guys know the story. I called her right after I felt the Holy Ghost say yes. And let me tell you, first night, I called her and said, what are you doing tonight? Let's go out on a date tonight. And the didn't I? First night, told her I loved her, was in love with her, wanted to marry her, wanted to be in ministry with her. But see, all when those you things. have that clear answer, you know, it might not make sense what he's saying. I told her on the first night, I love her, I want to marry you. Don't I everybody do that. I want to go in the ministry. <laughs> Well, the thing is, people who have a clear answer can do that. Right. Of course they can. Yeah. So if you're doing it that way, where you're doing it the way the word of God says and get the green light, yeah. not get a red light and then say, Try well, to force it. but they've got these qualities and, right. you know, he's got a really good job and you yeah. know, we, we would be set financially for life. And then I can have, you know, a certain amount of kids because we'd be okay. And, and I've always wanted to be a stay at home mom. And with him, I can really be a stay at home mom. Yep. Like that's not going to work. 
You've got to be led by the spirit. You have to be led by the spirit. But to answer Mackenzie's question further, what Paul is saying is you should never, it's not like be led by the spirit. You should never, ever be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's, that's the word. And so it destroys marriages. I will say without fail, whenever someone comes to me with any kind of marital issue or something and I'm praying for them and working it out, I straight up ask them. I said, listen, we're not dwelling on the past, but I want to know, was there a check in your spirit? Was there a red light from the beginning? Yeah. We're going to fix this now and God is a God of restoration. Right. But I want to know, did you feel, and they'll always say, Yes, you know, yes, I I knew in my spirit not to do it. I knew I shouldn't do it. It's like, okay, well, you got to bring that feeling back to you so that we don't keep making those same mistakes because you can keep making the wrong mistakes and that feeling's not so strong anymore. Yeah. And to the point where it's cold and you just keep making the wrong mistakes. But you got to identify it. Good. We're going to get that root. We're going to fix it. God's going to, you know, I'm going to stand in agreement with you, but you've got to know, like someone just, just wrote about hearing the voice of the Lord. Yes. You have to know the shepherd's voice. We are the sheep. What is he saying to us? Right. Don't be so scared that you're always going to make the wrong decision. When you stay in the word of God and you stay in joy and you stay in that leading of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about making the wrong decision. That's right. Like you said, you have a clear path. Exactly. Yeah, I see Joseph saying it doesn't work out that way always. That's why God's word is written to you. Because God knows better than you know or anybody else knows. That's why things are set in stone in the word of God. That's why there are rules. That's why God gives us black and white things to do with our lives. Because the Lord knows what he's doing. That's why it's important. You know, it does it does make sense. You know, I don't I don't understand how people don't understand God has greater wisdom than man has. He said it in his word, Isaiah 55. You know, yeah, I, I, I said that already, Carissa. Totally. We just covered that. I know you might be uh, late logging on, but we, we said that. Some might be filled with the Holy Ghost, others aren't. And any any area of where you differ in, in the teaching of the word is going to bring, you know, a, a Holy Ghost-filled believer should not marry a Southern Baptist. Just, you know, it, it's stupid. It's stupid. I call the Holy Spirit and his manifestations. My best friend, a Southern Baptist, says it's deceptions of the devil. That's stupid. Why would you join yourself together with somebody like that? It's just dumb. And so... Christianity is all about responsibility. Of course. All about responsibility. So listen, if somebody here watching has made a bad decision, it was our decision. It wasn't the Lord. He didn't do anything in your life. You know what I'm saying? I love how people turn own, it around. Well, he was teaching me something through this. the responsibility <laughs> and figure out at this moment what we can do to fix it. Mm-hmm. Every decision we make, if we don't like something, we made the wrong decision. Absolutely. If we don't, hard to swallow, but mature Christians will understand. If we don't like something in our life right now, we made a wrong decision. Let's figure out how to fix it. God is here as restoration. He's he's the fix-it man. Right. He is the fix-it man. He can fix anything. But don't keep going down the path of, you know, we're blaming this on God. He's going to teach us a lesson. Right. Everything in Christianity is our responsibility. No question. Number nine. Um, number 10, obviously, if you just jumped on, we're covering religious differences. That was uh, the first issue people listed. Number nine is an issue with family. 
Now, what you can see from this answer, which I thought was very interesting, um, it's that they're saying it's called lack of support from family, but what they actually found was it was different between men and women. So with men, and I thought this was interesting, with men, um, they had an issue when their wives started uh, having all kinds of relationships and allowing the in-laws to come into the home and start uh, having control of things. And it was the opposite uh, for women. If the husband didn't love and respect the wife's family, it caused a problem in the relationship. The lesson with number nine is that once you separate into marriage, the Bible says a husband will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. You got to remember this is first. This, as far as human relationships go, this is first. That's why Carolyn and I preach your marriage is before your children. Your children don't come before your marriage. Your marriage is first. Your children are second. Understand that. We've seen marriages destroyed because people put their children above their spouse. That's not, that's, that's wrong. Your spouse comes first after your relationship with the Lord. It's then your spouse. It's then your children. Then it's everybody else. Then it's everybody else. And remember this, you can honor your father and mother without allowing them to manipulate your personal home. Remember this, because I've seen, haven't you? So many marriages. Because that's, that honoring your mother and father has nothing to do with them staying out of your business. Or giving them control of your house. Absolutely, or that's not what honor is about. No, You're honoring not. them separate, completely separate as the office of your mother and father. Yes. That's, that's what you're honoring them of. Of course. You don't honor them when you become married. Right. I was thinking of separation and I thought of Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family mm-hmm. and go to the land that I will show you. Yes. You have to learn to get away from dependency. You've been with your parents all these years. Yes. Longer than you've been married right now, but you can't get into that familiarity and go to them when there's an issue, when you're married, right. talk about your husband, talk about your wife when you're married. It says to leave. It's it, there is going to be a separation feeling. And you know, sometimes I will say for women, it might be different than men because of the nature and how we're built, right. but you have to learn to separate from your family when you become married. And I don't mean it in a bad way, like you're giving them the cold shoulder, but what becomes under the umbrella of your marriage and your home needs to be fixed within then. Mm -hmm. Not going to talk to your neighbors, not talking to your best friend, never in a million years has have I ever, now that's one thing I did from the very beginning, was ever talk about my husband to a friend. Very smart. Or, you know, not even my own family. And we, and you have to set boundaries. Because it destroys trust in your marriage. And once trust is gone, almost everything follows after that. If you can't trust your wife anymore, if you can't trust your husband anymore, everything else, it's like a domino effect. Things because start to be destroyed. that's not honoring to your husband or your wife. There's things I won't even say that's as a joke. Like, I... To me, this is dishonoring, and I know it's memes and stuff that are out there. I never associate him as one of my children. To me, I feel like that is that that's a, that that de, like lowers his his rank. It lowers 
who he is, his position in this home. Yeah, it's disrespectful. I never, ever have joked around saying, you know, well, I've got, I really have four kids. Right. One of them's my husband. Yeah. I've got four kids. One of them's 37 years old. Yeah. I it's never, totally disrespectful. I, I feel wrong inside to say it because I feel like it's a slap in the face. Like to treat him like a child. Like I've right. got to wipe his face and clean up after him and be the mom and, and nag him and tell him what to do. Uh, to me, that's wrong. I, I it's the same way I feel. I don't think you should ever say that about your it's husband. It's the same way I feel when I go into a pastor's office and they have that sign, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Yeah. Like Jesus lowering him to that standard yeah. is you think that's what he is. And that's what she's saying about husbands. You're going to demean your husband and lower him to the standard of a child. Uh, I got to wipe his butt and wipe his mouth. And yeah, t- because that's like, what you think you know. of of a child. You think of someone who, who, who's a child. You think of what a child does. And, and, and I think that's wrong as wives. And we get into that habit and we make that joke and you know, there's so many jokes, but I'm, I'm always quick to catch myself because a lot of people in this world will say things, whether they're Christian or not, but you have to hold them in a certain position in the home. You don't do it in front of your kids. And that's why the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And according to scripture, your husband is due honor. Men, your wife is due honor. Honor. Well, I'll give her honor when she earns it. No, you give it to whom it's due. And if they're your husband, if they're your wife, they are due honor and you pay it. They are due to honor when they say, I do at the altar. That's right. That's when honor is due. And you pay it. Not based on what they're doing. And you pay it. When they say, I do and pop that ring on, then honor is due at that moment. Um, Luenda asked, so because of the the list that you just said, do do you place ministry third then? And, And the answer is no. I place ministry fourth. <coughs> ministry is fourth in my life. The first thing is Christ, my relationship with Jesus. The second thing is my relationship with my wife. The third thing is my relationship with my children. And the fourth thing is my ministry to other people. This all is first before my... I've seen so many preacher's kids destroyed because... They've had parents that put the ministry above their family. What good does it do to have a ministry to the world or even a ministry to your church or ministry to your region and your kids don't even serve the Lord? I've seen that. I've watched it happen. The preacher's kids resent the house of God. They resent church. They resent going to church. They resent everything having to do with Christianity because their parents gave their all to the people, poured their hearts out to the people, and came home and had nothing for their wife, nothing for their children. That is a massive, stupid mistake. Stupid mistake. It's like the Bible says, what good does it do to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? My question to myself would be, what good does it do to gain the whole city and lose my own children? Stupid, stupid mistake. Christ is first, she's second, my kids are third, and my ministry that God has given us is fourth. And it's it's important to keep that order because if you don't put priorities in place, you will be destroyed. You will be totally destroyed. If you don't put boundaries in place, that's what we're talking about, number nine, you have to have boundaries with your personal family members. Your husband and wife uh, relationship comes before mother and father relationship. And there's many people, and, and it's even more predominant in certain cultures. There's certain cultures where the mother-in-law, father-in-law come in and start controlling everything. And it's just the, the way that that culture functions. 
And there's resentment. Your mom well, and dad's I, always in here. I get that a lot, though. I'll be like, my my mother-in-law, you know, wants me to do it this way and, and all this stuff. And I just said this on my last podcast that you're anointed to be a mom is I would rather disobey somebody a million times than disobey the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. once. Not everyone's going to understand your decisions. Not everyone's going to agree with them. But we make decisions based right. on our family and what the Holy Spirit has instructed us. Right. And so if someone else disagrees or someone else has a different opinion about it, then that's fine. That's your opinion. But our decision is going to be based on the Holy Spirit instructing our family. Right. So that's why it's important that you get into the word and you hear from the Lord on the path. Because if not, you're going to go down the path and then it's going to go, well, what does this in-law say? Well, what does my mom say? And then all of a sudden, here's the path with a detour here and a detour here and a detour here. And then you, everything's murky again. And we don't even know, you know, what, what direction we're supposed to be going and and people's feelings are going to get hurt. You have to realize that (laughs) people's feelings are always going to get hurt. We're not here to coddle everybody and, you know, the whole, like, well, we're going to walk in love. Well, walking in love doesn't mean I have to be obedient to what your suggestions are. That has nothing to do with it. I, I love, I love the people making suggestions. I love the people giving me their ideas, but it, it, it has to be what the Lord's directing this family. The Lord directs this family different than he directs this family over here. I don't expect the Lord to tell them to do the same thing that we're doing. That's not how it works. Right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And so boundaries are important. Boundaries are important. It's good to see John on Periscope um, asking to see my wife's body. Thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for taking a break from watching animated Japanese porn to come on the broadcast today. You perverted son of a gun. <laughs> Go back to watching Japanese manga porn. You filthy old soul. <laughs> you filthy old soul. Number eight. Just a little intermission for you guys there. Number eight. The eighth reason that people said that they get divorced is health problems. That health problems brought issues into the marriage. And of course that's true. That there are people who battle in their physical bodies and that affects the relationship. Stress. It, it brings. Causes. It brings stress. Yeah, it brings problems. And so they said one of the issues is illnesses can be detrimental to a marriage. They can create debt, pain, loss of self. It can mean one partner isn't able to maintain his or her part of the deal. Um, and so there's there's all kinds of problems that ensue from ongoing sickness and ongoing disease. This is why that in your marriage, it's so vital that you've got a revelation and an understanding of divine healing. You've got to walk in your marriage with a revelation and an understanding of divine healing. If you think I'm messing around because of the fact that I get up every month and I say, as we cross over, I give God thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord, that another month has passed, that another month has gone by, that you've kept us from sickness and disease. You've kept us from every wicked thing that our bodies have never, that that have not been harassed by the devil or any evil thing. I give God, you think I'm messing around. I give God serious 
thanks and praise because it's just as much of a miracle if God heals you of a sickness and disease as it is if he keeps you from sickness and disease. And one of the things that will alleviate stress from your marriage and alleviate problems in, in your relationship with is keeping sickness and disease out of your home. And the the way to do that as a believer is to gain an understanding and a revelation of the divine healing power of God. That's why we talk to you all the time about the fact it's life or death where you go to church. If you go to a church that doesn't believe in healing, that that teaches that not everybody's going to be healed and God sovereignly picks and chooses who he'll heal and healing's not for today, run for your life. Run for your life. Jesus purchased your healing and gave it to his children by whose stripes you were healed. And if you're going to live in a marriage, and I, I just, I promise you, if she was sick all the time, it's going to be a stress on me. If I was sick all the time, it's going to be a stress on her. Now we're in debt. Now we have issues. We can't come together intimately because we're both sick all the time and we have issues and, you know, and then it's, then it's issues. Then what are you going to do? Then you're going to. Then you start to get to a place where you can't even be intimate with each other anymore. So is the husband going to go searching for somebody that he can be intimate with? And it, it brings all kinds of problems, all kinds of problems. And so you've got to have a revelation and an understanding of divine healing. Keep yourself in the word of God. Keep yourself in strength and in health. And it will, all, it will honestly, it will bring you into a more unified relationship with your husband or wife. Just imagine how much more time you can spend with your husband or wife and enjoy each other's company if you're not always dealing with a serious sickness or disease. You know, that I have to go through this for the next 10 years. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're heartless. We're like, well, I'm not going through it. I shouldn't have to go through it. No, I understand people are dealing with that. And that's why Jesus provided healing. But imagine how much more smoothly your relationship goes when nobody is hindered by sickness and disease. And you know how big of a deal it is. People are listing it as one of the main issues of why their relationship's not working out. That's why I thank God for a wife who has a, not only a great revelation of healing, it's one of the things that she has the most faith for is destroying sickness and disease and not allowing it in our lives or in the children. Yeah, I... It's one of my <laughs> most loved topics because, you know, because, la- you know, last night we were watching the Bible with my children. It's a, it's a show on, on Amazon Prime and we've watched it before, but they asked to watch it again and it gives accounts of different stories through the Old Testament and part of the new. And last night, every time I see Jesus getting beat to go on the cross, I get it. it it's it's painful to watch, but knowing the goodness that's out of it. Right. And because he went through that, so we don't have to go through these things. Mm-hmm. He did that, took it all then, so we can walk in divine healing. So we can walk free from struggles and problems. So we can walk in joy. And so when I see that, it hits me. And I even said to him last night, I said, people should watch this scene more. I don't know if they got to break out passion of the Christ, you know, every so often or what, but to see what he went through, maybe it would shake their spirit, man, to give them and let them know how much authority we have as a believer. Right. 
how much faith we can have as a believer, how much power we can have as a believer. You know, what we're walking in. It, you know, like you said, we're not sitting here thinking we're better than everyone. We're sitting here letting you know there's a way out. Right. We're letting you know there's an answer. He's an answer for every problem. Yeah. He has an answer in the word of God for every, every, every problem That's right. that you can think of. Absolutely. So when, when I even begin to feel a cold in my body, which I don't even know when the last time was, or an ache. Or something in my kids, you know, I'll get a lot of moms that say, listen, I laid hands on my my children and I want to, uh, you know, what you've spoken on before, I want to, you know, but it didn't happen right away. That's okay. It's working. You don't give up because it didn't become an instant thing. Their fever didn't instantly go. There will be times that that will happen, but let the word work. Let the word saturate the situation. Let the word sit on the situation and begin to watch it change. Mm -hmm. But when I see him take that abuse on the cross and that walk of shame that he did, we don't have to feel shame. We don't have to go through sickness and lack and anxiety. So if it's something you have to watch again to shake up your spirit, man, Watch the scene where Jesus is beaten so you can live in proper authority. You know, the world is falling apart at the seams, but we don't have to. Right. We can stay completely whole. We can stay completely together. You know, I was teaching my kids yesterday. How we're not, we're, we're reading in uh, 1 Corinthians no, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> and First Corinthians, and about being an ambassador for Christ. So I was explaining to them what an ambassador is, and I won't go off far off the beaten path, but what an ambassador is and how we're supposed to look different. I said to my girls, I said, now why would anyone want to know your Jesus if you look like other people in the world that are sick, exactly. broken, mad, impatient, a jerk, you know, whatever? Why would... What could you what could you sell your Jesus on? What could you what could you say about him? I said, so we have to look different. It says we're a city set on a hill where our light can't go out. So that's what you have to be. He died so we can have a perfect marriage. Come on. One of my things for nonstop moms that I stress to all the ladies that listen to me, and you know, I called it nonstop mom because that's pretty much my lifestyle, but I speak to people that are young. Older, middle, married, not married, divorced, you know, dating, engaged. I speak to all of them. And the thing is, you can have your cake and eat it too. The world will tell you different. The world tells you you got to give up something. When you have kids, you got to give this up. Life's going to be different. Not going to be so great. When you get married, it's a whole lot of work. So then you start to look different. You look your outward appearance changes. You know what I mean? Because there is a certain way. People are shocked when there's a pretty mom nowadays. That's when true. there's a mom that keeps <clears throat> themselves together. But why do we have to be shocked? We're not created to be a hot mess. And that's one of my messages. <laughs> we're not, we are created to have it all. He provided all. All. That's right. He heals all. He gives all. He cleanses all. Amen. In the Bible, it's all or nothing. We can have it all. Yeah. And that's what we have to get a hold of today. That's what the redemption package is all about. Our benefits package in the kingdom of God. So you can literally miss out on the stress of sickness and disease by walking 
in the divine healing power Thank you, Ruth. of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, no. Pastor Ted, I have my wife here attacking you. She says you're ugly and your wife is too beautiful. <laughs> it's the mustache, Boris. Yeah. Uh, number seven. <laughs> number seven. The seventh thing that was given by those that were polled is domestic violence as a reason for divorce. Well, obviously, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be beating your wife. And I'll throw this in because there's a lot of women out there now that are aggressive. Shouldn't be beating your husband. That's really my, our issue is that Carolyn beats me. But if you understand, if you understand, listen, a cast iron pot hurts to the head, but understand this, your wife and your husband should be, as we've covered, should be held in high esteem, should be honored above all else. And so understand this, if you're walking in love, which is the highest calling and the commandment of the New Testament, not just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but love your neighbor as yourself. Your wife, your husband is part of your neighbor. Love. God's speaking a word to Mindy Spencer today on Cody's behalf. Um, with the wooden spoons that she sings with Luenda. That's it. Hold your husband, wife in high regard and love them. What does the Bible say we're supposed to do as husbands? Love our wives as Christ loved the church giving himself for her. That means that there should be a, uh, um, a selfless love that you have for your wife, a prefer her above yourself kind of love. And obviously, there's never been a time that Jesus has abused the church. Think about this. Jesus took abuse on behalf of the church, as she just covered. Jesus took abuse. He's a protector and the same way that a husband should be. The husband is not an abuser. The husband should be a protector. And so if you're obeying the word of God, this should never be an issue in your home. But number one, not just physical abuse, you should never verbally abuse your wife or your husband. And she covered that as well. We talked about it. You should never talk down to your husband or wife. You should never verbally abuse them. Tell them they're stupid. Tell them they're worthless. Tell you know work. I, I hate when people say, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words or names can never hurt me. That's absolutely that? stupid. Stupid. That's absolutely. Of course, words can hurt. Of course, words can destroy. We believe as Christians, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you speak, it changes the atmosphere. So, of course, we believe people can be hurt and destroyed by words. That's why you guard your mouth. The Bible says, set a watch at your mouth. Don't just say everything you think. Think about it. Put it through the filter of God's word and then release it if it passes the test. Just Not just the thinking test, the speaking test. Paul said, whatsoever things are uh, holy, lovely, of a good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Same thing with speaking. Don't speak things that aren't holy, that don't have a good report, that aren't worthy of praise and virtue, that aren't, you know, don't, don't speak those things. This is a good test for every person when it comes to this number seven, abuse and violence. Put your words through the filter of God's word. Don't say things that don't line up with God's word. Don't just say anything that comes into your mind. Be slow to speak and quick to hear. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. That way, here's, here's the key. 
That way, you are understanding the whole situation first before you say anything stupid. And also, it gives you time to take a, get a handle on your flesh. If you don't take and put a handle on your flesh, then your flesh will leap up and start saying stuff that it just feels like saying in the moment. If you're slow to speak and quick to listen, it gives you time to get a handle on your flesh man and say, no, 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 I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. You know, they, they used to say, you know, count to 10. You know, if you get angry, count to 10 before you get, well, that's what you're doing. You're giving yourself time to get a handle on your flesh man and be slow to speak and quick to hear. And it's very important that you do that. Because maybe, I mean, for the most part, what you heard, you misunderstood the context. You know, maybe you didn't understand the context of what they were saying. Maybe you didn't understand the environment. You see what I mean? So it's very important that you are slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to hear. But that part benefits you in all areas of life. Yeah. There's lots of times when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And if we are quick to say no, instead of let our our spirit man digest the word and let our faith get activated to do what he's asked us to do. You know, it, it's important that we're slow to speak. You could be yelling no when really you need to be yelling yes. Yeah, exactly right. So honor your husband, honor your wife. Don't abuse them. Don't harass them. Put them above yourself and give them selfless love. Number six, and this is a big one. You would think it's not for Christians, but it actually is. Substance abuse. Substance abuse. This is why that we're supposed to keep ourselves in a place where we are literally free from all invisible prisons. We should not be governed. In fact, Peter, the Apostle Peter, encourages us to be sober and to be vigilant. Listen to this. Um. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober-minded and be watchful for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You can't be sober if you're not sober. <laughs> Think about that. You're commanded to be sober in the Bible. You can't be sober if you're not sober. People make a big, um, you know, it's, it, it blows my mind. Let me, let me just say this. It blows my mind how in this generation, no, it's, it's all people, Carissa, not just Christians. It's, it blows my mind how people think it's not a big deal to drink. It's not a big deal to smoke weed. You know, it's not a big deal to do those things. People think, oh, it's not, it's not a big deal. I have Christian liberties. You know, and it blows my mind because, so, well, you know, it's cool to drink as long as you don't get drunk. Who determines what drunk is? That's my biggest question to Christians who drink. Let me ask you, who determines what drunk is and... Let's just be honest with ourselves. Drunk is not the same for everybody. Let's just take me and my wife, for example. Let's just, if I said to her, let's go out and just have one beer. Well, let me just tell you something. One beer is going to affect her 100-pound body a lot more than beer is going to affect my 250-pound body. Wish I was 100 pounds. But, but understand my point. <laughs> you know, it's going to affect her. Let's just go have one shot. Let's just, for our anniversary, let's go out and just do one shot, one margarita. One shot and one margarita. You, you go out, it's going to affect her little body. Uh, we drank the same thing, but it doesn't affect us both the same. Okay, I'll go further. She didn't eat that day and I ate. 
So now she's drinking on an empty stomach. I'm drinking on a full stomach and I'm much heavier than her. We drank the same. Well, we only had one beer. Yeah, but who determines what drunk is? Do you? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that the state, the state law is more lenient than the law of God? Do you think God has a, a less harsh view of what your life should look like than the state does? Think about that. Well, you know, I, I was under the, I was under the uh, legal limit. Well, let, let me tell you, you think God's limit is less harsh than the government, the, the, the corrupt government that we live under? You know, it's stupid. Worship team going to wine tastings. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, well, you know, I can do this. It's anything that has the ability to, to steal your ability to be sober like you're commanded to in the Bible is a waste of your time. And that's why the Bible tells us we should stay free from yeah. those types of things. We should stay away from stuff that confuse our thoughts. That's not just alcohol. That's drugs. That's yes. prescription pills. That's weed. Stupid people. Um, <laughs> Weaken our inhibitions and make us more vulnerable to sin. It says in Proverbs 23, it asks a question in 29 that I'm going to start with and then it leads Listen off. to this. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises and who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spend long ta hours in the taverns trying out new drinks don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake and stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. Yep. So that's not just alcohol. Anything that alters your mind. Yep. Anything. They're mentioning drinking here, but anything that takes the place... It, who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who looks like an idiot? Pretty much is what they're saying. Who sees hallucinations? You know, who says crazy things? Mm -hmm. These are people who are using <laughs> a substance, whether it be a hard drug like Coke, whether it be alcohol, whether it be whatever you want to say about weed being natural, whatever makes you do mind altering things is not supposed to be that says we are the temple right right yep. here i wrote down this verse in first corinthians 6 don't you know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor god with your body you know allison asked the question and people that say this are so foolish and don't understand history or context of scripture she said, so if they drink wine and the Bible then mentions wine being good for the stomach, how do you approach this to others who mention this? First of all, people who say that are not intelligent. They're just not. Because if you look at the way the Bible condemns wine and then look at what Paul said to Timothy, recognize the context that he was saying it. He said, don't look at what Paul said. He said, don't only drink water. He said, add to it a little bit of wine. Why? If you study the history, Timothy's stomach was being bothered by the water of that day. There was something happening in the cisterns, the wells and the uh, aqueducts in the time where they lived that was causing, the water was causing him to have stomach problems. It wasn't like today when you can go to like Walmart and buy every kind of drink that you want. 
pure pure water. You can go out and get club soda. You can get sodas. You can get. It's not like that. You know, think about this. This was 2,000 years ago. And so Paul was uh, giving him this instruction. Stop drinking so much water. It's what's destroying your stomach. Add to it a little bit of wine so that your stomach's not being destroyed. It's just wisdom. It's just wisdom. It's not the same. And how many other people did Paul write to and say, hey, drink some wine while you're at it? Nobody. Paul didn't say that to anybody else. He was giving Timothy a word of wisdom to take care of his physical body. It's the water you're drinking that's making you your stomach have problems all the time. So add to it a little bit of wine. <laughs> Nobody drinks wine to be healed from something. Yeah, and let me tell you something else. Paul wasn't encouraging Timothy to go out and drink a six-pack at a worship conference with his friends. He was saying, put some wine in your water. Nobody's going down and ordering a glass of watered down wine. Hey, just give me like a little bit of wine and then throw the rest water in there. Nobody's nobody's doing that. Paul didn't also. Paul was not encouraging Timothy to drink hard liquor. Paul didn't say, "Hey, have a few shots in New Zealand with Justin Bieber." That's not what that's not what Paul was teaching. So you have to understand context. You know, people can read the Bible, they don't even understand what they're reading. They're not properly studying like they should be to fully understand context. I just saw a t-shirt yesterday, which I may buy, because I've done a broadcast on it. People take scripture out of context all the time. The t-shirt said, I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. <laughs> and it's exactly right. These people read one scripture and they do no study of what came before the scripture, what came after, what story they're talking about in that moment. They'll pull one scripture and make a dumb graphic about it. And then all of a sudden, that's what we believe. And by the way, and sharing. by the way, um, for anybody that wants to know, I saw somebody post a comment about this, that winds all through the Bible. Um, I would, I would give you Dake's notes on that subject. Every time wine's mentioned in the Bible, the word wine is used in the English translation, whether it meant, and he gives examples from the word, whether it meant the grapes that were still on the vine, grapes that had just come off the vine, grapes that had been made into juice, and grapes that had been fermented into actual alcoholic wine. So the word wine is used in all of the context, from grapes still on the vine, through grape juice, through grapes just off the vine, all the way to fermented wine. And so people literally read that stuff and think, well, you know, I'm going to start going out and drinking then or start making my... And, and I'll just, I'll give it to you this way. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There has never been a powerful man of God that has shaken the world that was bound by drinking. Never. Never. I, I look at the people, and, if, and if, if there ever was one that was powerful that got into that, it destroyed their life and ended their ministry early. Think about that. Think about the results of that. Anybody that operates in signs, wonders, and miracles, anybody that operates in massive uh, salvations being seen, they are people that are sober-minded, that keep right. themselves free from the things of the world and live holy. They live holy. I mean, imagine Pastor Enoch Adeboye, imagine Bishop David Oyedepo, imagine Billy Graham sitting down, you know, somewhere in Europe and throwing back shots. It, it seems ridiculous to you, sitting back, throwing back beers. Well, we're just not getting drunk, but we're drinking. It seems ridiculous. Why? Because they're powerful and holy men of God that are shaking the world. Of course, Billy Graham's gone home to be with the Lord, but shook the world and they weren't flippant about the way they live their lives. And substance abuse, we can tell you of Christians that we know that have fallen into substance abuse 
and literally destroyed their relationships. It's a, it is literally destructive. It's a prison. You'll get bound by it. You'll get, you'll, you'll get trapped. There's no such thing as just social drinking. Yeah. (laughs) It's stupid. It's stupid to allow yourself to do it. It's stupid to allow yourself to have substances come into your life that can end up destroying your life and literally put you in a position where you can't be used by God. That's right. Jenna. That's you, you, yeah. Always you, be prepared for God to use you with that. And how can you? Right. She how said, can how you? How can you always be prepared for God to use you with that inside of you? Exactly. And that's what Peter was teaching. Be sober minded and vigilant because the devil's always looking to destroy lives. Always. He's constantly looking for someone he can devour, the Bible says. So stay sober. This is borrowed, like I said in 1 Corinthians. It doesn't belong to you. Doesn't. Jesus bought this. So you need to treat it right with what you put in it. Not just physically, what you put in your spirit, man. What you put physically in your body. Health. How you take care of it. That's right. No alcohol, no drugs, no pornography. That's substance abuse just as much. Yeah. They've (laughs) even shown. They've even shown how... Um, pornography releases chemicals in your body just like a drug would and is extremely addictive. Psychologists have proven that. How it releases chemicals. That's why they have addictions. Of course. I mean, they have addictions. They're sex addicts. There's a whole bunch of crazy addictions. Caitlin, I like that. I wouldn't want alcohol on my breath talking to Jesus. That's exactly right. Um, Financial problems is number five. Financial problems destroy a marriage, obviously. One of the number one reasons, this is in the top five, marriages come apart is because of stress over finances. This is why you've got to be agreed on um, tithing, got to be agreed on giving. I really truly thank God for a wife like Carolyn because she has always been a person of extreme faith when it comes to giving, tithing. She's always been the one to feel uh, just like I, that... Uh, large gifts. I mean, she feels it from the Holy Ghost. It's amazing. Even when we were first married and I was never with her during offering time because I was serving as a music director at, at Dominion Christian Center. So I would be on the platform on the keyboard during the offering, but we would even feel the exact same without knowing or texting or whatever. We would just, and I would feel the same number she'd feel in her spirit of what to sow. That's unity. And that's what you have to strive for in your marriage. And because, trust. Yeah. Because just like the other day, that's Remember, right. Mm-hmm. You te- he texted me and wanted to do something for somebody. And he, he wrote, well, what do you feel? I'm outside on my swing. <laughs> she didn't feel I, anything. I felt the wind. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice breeze. But she trusted. But I wrote back and I said, I don't feel anything, but I trust you. Yeah. And so, and that's what it is. It's like, we're at that point where, but that's where the revelation and wisdom of the word of God comes in and what the Bible says about to be a giver, about to be a sower. That's right. So it's not just saying, yes, I agree to tithe. Yes, I agree. It has to, I understand when he goes to do something or vice versa, because we understand what the word of God says about it. Right. That's where the knowledge comes in. And that's why it's so easy for us to be like, you know, I didn't have to text him and be like, well, hold on, Ted. I'm on the swing. Give me 30 minutes to pray about this. Right. Well, remember this. Always err on the side of giving. Don't err on the side of not giving. Because remember this, just by process of elimination, the devil never wants you to sow seed into the kingdom. 
Number two, most more often than not, your flesh doesn't want to sow seed into the kingdom. It wars, the Bible says, against the things of the spirit. Sowing is a spiritual principle. So if it's not the devil telling you to do it, and if it's not your flesh telling you to do it, and your mind is usually not, you know, your mind is the same. If you don't renew it, your mind's going to be saying, how can I give all my money away today? But err on the side of, of giving because it's the spirit of God that leads you to obey his word and right. to sow and give. So if you feel to do it, maybe one says, well, I don't feel that in my spirit. And I say, well, I do err on the side of sowing, err on the side of giving. But technically, since we're connected as one, right. I really do feel it but you know i trust in the word of god i've got the knowledge i understand that even though i'm not like you know ooh, ted that came in my spirit to give where you say to give i simply just say i don't feel it but i trust you and i trust the word of god right i understand what the benefits that will happen in our life yeah by being a giver so that's all i really have to know is what are the benefits what does my covenant say by me being a sower that I'm going to reap? Yeah. Well, then when he comes to me and I may not feel it at that moment, I know if I err on the side like he's saying, I understand what the benefits that I'm going to reap. So I'm going to do it based on my knowledge of the word of God. That's why it's important to have knowledge. We all know the Bible says <laughs> without knowledge, you'll perish. Yeah. I could have sat there and argued with him and say, well, you know, there's some things God's asking us to do. Right. And, you know, we really, we could really use that for ourselves. And, you know, so-and-so is, you know, it was a ministry he felt to give to. And it's like, go back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to sit there and you don't have to pray about stuff, every, you know, for 30 minutes. I didn't have to tell him, well, you know what, that amount that you want to give, let me pray about it. It's like, no. I trust him as the head of our household. Right. I know he hears from the Lord yeah. and I know the benefits that God tells me as a sower, what I will reap for me and my family yeah. and doing for others. And that's all I had to know. And so then that's all I had to write back. And so here's the, here's the other thing too, is that aside from tithing and giving, one of the things God expects you to be is a good steward of what he's put into your life. Remember this because people get selfish when it comes to finances, but it, they can do so to the detriment of their own marriage. You know, your hobby is not as important as supporting your family. The Bible says a, a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. So your hobby is not more important than the stewardship of your family. You know, and, and wives are the same. Husbands are the same. It doesn't matter. There's wives that have unchecked spending. You know, their husbands are working hard and they're working hard and the unchecked spending, they don't have anything in their in their heart to understand proper stewardship and wisdom. So they never have enough money because they're a spendthrift. And the Bible says a fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. Not a wise person, a fool. For some people, you know when tax returns have come in, all new sunglasses, all new shoes, all new clothes, all new, you know, well, tax returns must be in. Why? A fool spends all that he has. And it destroys the marriage. Everything's always getting spent on stupid stuff. Instead of having wisdom to sit down, take control of your finances. You know, you can live under a curse where you're giving uh, and tithing, but you continue to disobey the word of God in this way. And the Bible says it's like you have your money comes into a bag filled with holes. It goes into the bag and falls out the bottom because you don't do the practical things that the Bible teaches that would keep your family in financial freedom. Nick knows what I'm talking about. And so in, in, this, is, this is the whole point. Stewardship 
You know, giving and receiving doesn't mean anything if you're going to have that come in and then everything's destroyed because you throw it out the back door. This is from Jenna. She's throwing the, come on. No, it's true. And so don't be foolish. I got you, Jenna. <laughs> don't be foolish with your finances. Don't be foolish with your finances. Don't let them be burned up on stuff that doesn't matter. Be wise. Be wise. So it's important to know that. I wanted to say that before we moved on because that's part of the giving covenant is that you've got to be a steward of what God has given you. Uh, number four that was listed on the list, I don't know that I fully necessarily agree with, but one of the things that was listed by a lot of people, and remember that a lot of these people were not Christians, is we got married too young. We got married too young. But the average age listed for marriage was 23.3 years old. Think about that. In 1960, 59% of those aged 18 to 29 were married. 50 years later in 2010, the number dropped to 20%. And in 2011, the median age for first marriage of a man was 28, almost 29, and 27 for a woman. If you think 28 and 27 is too young to be married, you're a nut job. You're an absolute nut job. And let me tell you, Christian parents... Stop making your children or pressuring your children to wait so long to get married. Meanwhile, like Paul said, they're in their bedroom burning with lust because you, you, well, I don't know if you should wait. You should live your life. You should get a little bit older. And I'm telling you, why do you think people are so promiscuous in this generation? It's because goofy Christian parents wait, telling their kids to wait until they, I wish I would have waited more. I wish I would have married her earlier. I was, what, 22 we were? We're 23. 23 years old? I wish we were 20 when we got married. I wish we were 19. It's a joy being married to her. No, I'm dead. No, I wish we were 15. <laughs> no. I wish we were 12. No, no. no. I'm just saying, it's a joy to be married to her. Stop waiting so long to get married. That's a stupid thing. We were just too young when we got married. No, you were immature when you got married. That was the problem. And people that are in the presence of God and being trained up the right way should not be immature. And as like we said before. And this doesn't mean push your kids to date early too. No, I don't mean that. I so mean, don't if, the, if the Lord, the line. I'll say it a better way. If the Lord has put you together with somebody, don't date them for seven years. Right. That's so stupid. It's so stupid. First of all, where's dating in the Bible? I mean, like, you know, if the Lord has given you somebody... If, he, if he's shown you, that's the point of being led by the spirit. That's why we talked about raising our children up in the right way. So as they get older, they'll know how to make decisions in the Holy Ghost. We're teaching our kids at 10 and 6 almost, how to listen. It's almost like the world puts an emphasis on the wedding day. And what, the freedom of being single. No, I mean like I've got what, a life to what it's supposed to look like. And everyone spends their all this time and focus instead of on the right one Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Do I hear the Holy Spirit saying this is the person? It's on the glamour of the perfect pictures. Right. The perfect, the competition of the next person, you know, the colors, the flowers. You know, I think to myself, I'm, I would have much rather had, you know what I mean, money to start, you know, a good uh, beginning or like, I, you know, I want to do something for my kids. I would love to bless them with a home when they get married or, you know, take the majority of the money to do something like that. 
then to make sure they have the latest and greatest designer dress, you know, this and that. Not that you that can't have all so of fast, that. That stuff goes so fast, and it's gone. Me, it's a couple hours, and then you're looking at that person for the rest of your life. And we're not saying we shouldn't celebrate marriage, but it's no, no, it's no, gone. I, it's gone after two yeah, hours. Yeah, I'm saying nothing's wrong with that, but the the what gets important gets blurred. Yeah, and then that becomes the main focus. But think about this, like. Our culture puts this premium on, well, you know, you're getting married too early. You've got a life to live. You should do those things while you're single. It's like, okay, stop for a second. What things are we talking about? Being able to be promiscuous and sleep with whoever we want right. for a while. What things? Uh, club for a while and be able to go out without kids and be able to party and get drunk and get high. What are we talking about? You know, what, you can't travel the world with your spouse? You can't have, I mean, it's it's a it's a carnal, worldly mindset. You've got a life to live. You've got things to do. You, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, a good thing. My life is better because I'm married. My life is far better married than it was single. I can promise you that. The Bible says a good wife is a crown to her husband and is not ashamed throughout the streets. Exactly. I mean, think about it. It's a foolish thing. It's a foolish thing to, to live that stupid, you know, well, you've got a life to live before you get married. Make sure you do all the things because you got, you got people that did their relationship the wrong way and it failed and then they're starting to give advice. Honey, let me tell you something. You better get out there and do what you can while you can because once you get married, you know how it is. You're locked I down. Know, that's what it's I like, talked about earlier. It's always like you have to give up something to have a good marriage. Yeah. You have to give up something when you have kids. I've got like, a word for you. Stop taking advice from people who failed. I have lived a great life, married, and a great life as a mom. I don't feel like I have had to sacrifice a thing. Things have actually only gotten better. You know, if you were trying to start a small business, would you go out and talk to people that all they did was fail at starting small businesses? Or would you try to find somebody that started multiple small businesses and blown them up? Of course, I want to find the people that were successful in starting the small businesses and take my advice from them. Why would I go out and say, well, I just want to hear what all, all of the uh, unsuccessful small business. No, I don't want to hear what they have to say. I want to hear what the ones that made it work said. That's why I want to hear from marriages that worked, not ones that didn't work. I can find anybody can tell you how to do something wrong. It's a special person that can tell you how to do something right. It's important. Thank you, Zeke, for sowing a seed. But understand this. Of course, Laura loves being locked down. She got a baby out of it. <laughs> AJ, yeah. Laura. Well, of course, AJ said, I've been trying to convince her to wear her wedding dress out in the street in public. But but it, it's true. Well, apparently, she wore it recently. Exactly. <laughs> you don't go to Michael Jordan for golf advice, who, lo who lost millions of dollars on one putt. You go to Tiger Woods. Exactly. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. You go to the ones that are making it work. I think a better uh, thing would be don't go to Michael Jordan for baseball advice because he's a pretty good golfer, but he's a horrible baseball player. <laughs> Doesn't he do Haynes? Yeah, <laughs> with the Hitler mustache. And, and so understand, it's a stupid thing to say. Stop waiting so long. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when you hear it, get it done. Jacob, you asked on YouTube about hearing the voice of the Lord. Watch this when it ends and go back to the beginning because we touched on that a lot finding out the right one and in hearing the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let me let us give you these last three and then we'll pray for you. Number three, too much conflict and arguing. 57.7% of people said they were getting divorced because of too much conflict and too much arguing. Two things go into this. Number one, 
not loving and respecting your husband or wife like the Bible says you should. But number two, the second thing is not understanding the role of submission to the husband and the loving of the wife. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, Justin said, what about the fear of the unknown, someone changing after marriage and things being harder on the man of the house? You have to know. That's why you have to be led by the Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's not going to give you the right person to marry, and then they're going to become... And then destroy you because of it. Yeah. He he knows what they are going to be like. He said he's the God that teaches you to profit and teaches you in the way that you sh- leads you in the way you should go. He's not going to lead you in the way you shouldn't go. He leads you in the way you should go. Isaiah 48, 17. Um, let, let us explain this concept from Ephesians, where the Bible says, husbands... Uh, first of all, it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. But then it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Whether you like it or not, in this feminist-driven society that's trying to be propagated throughout our nation, the husband truly is the head and leader of the home. We're not co-leaders. We don't lead this together. You know, anything with more than one head is a monster. There has to be a level of authority where a decision is made. It's just like the military. There, you know, everybody's in a chain of command. And so my wife knows this. She teaches this on her podcast. We believe this together. God set a husband in the house as the head. The Bible says he's not just the head of the house. Read the Bible. He's the head of the wife. Because these are instructions from the Word of God, and you can only prosper, I mean, in anything, your job, anything that you do, if you follow instructions. Right. And this is what how the Word of God lays it out. You can think you can do it a different way. I've known plenty of people that think it can go a different way, who think they can be equal, who think they can, you know, whatever. It will never work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It God has the working never way. work. That's right. And so the husband, remember this, the husband is the head of the wife. So when she made that point earlier about demeaning your husband and making jokes about your husband and, um, you know, um, liking him to a child. Yeah. Like that. And, and, and talking about him behind his back to your girlfriends and to your parents and all this other or stuff. Just making him sound stupid. I hate when wives do that. Like, you know, you're actually you're usurping your the authority of your husband. My husband and like roll your eyes and make a joke to make it look That's like not he's honoring. an idiot. Right. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. Think about how huge of a deal that is in the same way you would submit yourself to the Lord. Submit yourself to your husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In the same way, well, how? Giving himself. Let me just say this. It's not hard to submit to a love that will give itself for you. It's not hard to submit to a love that puts you first. That's easy to submit to. If both people obey the word, it makes marriage easy. Our marriage is easy. It couldn't be more easy than it is. It could not. I mean, it literally couldn't. It, could, <laughs> it couldn't be more easy I than this. I wish you would listen to me about the mustache, but he's got something going on with you guys. Seriously. <laughs> it, it couldn't be more easy than it is. She is easy to be around. She is easy to live with. She's easy to be married to. And, and I'll tell you why. It's because she understands the word and obeys it. And I do my very best to love her like Christ loved the church. 
to put her first, to prefer her above myself. And it's easy to submit to love like that. You know, when it's hard, but let me just give you a caveat here. It doesn't mean that if your husband doesn't do that, you're not required to submit because you still have to hold up your end of the bargain in the word of God. Whether he's doing what he should or not, you still have to do with what you should. Husbands, if your wives are not submitting to you properly, you still have to love her like Christ loves the church. Um, then she, Justin's asking, what if the woman wants marriage but will not submit because she has trust issues or trauma from her past? She needs to correct that and get healed. She needs to obey the word. You know, you don't think about Justin, think about how foolish it is to say, I refuse to obey God's word because someone hurt me in the past. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely foolish. And you have to snap out of it. I know that doesn't sound like a very psychological response. You know, people think it, it takes 10 years to get healed. If Jesus can open blind eyes in an instant, how quickly can he heal a heart and heal a mind? Think about that. If he can raise the dead with a word, what can he do with a heart and a mind? And you can't say, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, obey the word because I was hurt in the past. Stupid move. Stupid move. Way to keep yourself in a place where you'll always be in a place people of want hurt. People to hang on to that. Don't hang on to it. it Forget those things free. which are behind and press toward the mark, Don't the Bible says. Don't be scared of freedom. That's what he died on the cross for. It feels so good. So good. Yeah. To live free from being controlled by emotions and, yes. and hurt and that ugly root that's only going to grow deeper and then you get married and then she's a basket case and then your kids become basket case. That's and what happens. It goes down generation to generation to generation and mm -hmm. it's all this, well, it's a generational curse. It's and not a generational it's curse. It's not a generational curse. Just nip it in the bud and, right. stop, <laughs> and stop imparting craziness to the next generation. Yep, exactly Just right. Cut it out. Somebody's got to end something somewhere. And I speak strongly because I love people. You know, I'm not saying this because I want to be somebody that's that's speaking derogatory. I I say it strongly because if people don't understand the principle, they'll never change. They'll never change. If they think, well, I don't I've been hurt, so I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, you're just hurting yourself more. You're hurting yourself more than you were hurt in the past. You are now choosing to live on continuous hurt right. and produce. Now you're producing your own problems from the problems of the past because you carry them with you. You're producing your own problems in the future right. rather than allowing yourself to be healed by obeying the mighty word of God and just doing what it says and letting the Holy Spirit work with you. We're not designed to live that way. Exactly We're right. We're designed to live a higher life and to live in freedom. Our body can't handle that. Right. Our mind can't handle it. It destroys relationships. It destroys our body physically. Yep. We weren't designed to carry all that and to live in that. Right. Number two, we'll give you these last two. Number two, 59.6% um, of people listed this infidelity or extramarital affairs as the reason for their divorce. According to the study, it was often cited as a critical turning point in a deteriorating relationship. Uh, in fact, it was considered by most as the final straw uh, listed by those uh, who were filing for divorce. So the bottom line is, if you'll do what the what book of Ephesians says, if you'll literally just obey those instructions and put, one of the things that Carol and I were talking about even this morning 
is that obviously people are responsible for their own actions. No question they are. But there are things that you can do. You realize there you can create environments that are that make it easier to choose right actions. For example, when you get out when you were an alcoholic and maybe you went through AA, even they understand. You stop hanging with people that are going to the bar, that are always drinking. You sever those relationships and you put yourself in a position where it's easy to make right choices. They tell you if you go on a diet, you're supposed to clean your pantry out and your cupboards out of all the junk food you don't want to eat anymore and buy the foods from the grocery store that are on your diet. Why? So even when you go to get something to snack on or go to get something to eat, those things aren't even there to choose. They're gone. They're not, you've created an environment for, for yourself that makes it easy to make right choices. The same is true in the natural realm. And we, of course, we're all responsible. It doesn't mean I can't drive to McDonald's and get something, but it's much more difficult to drive to McDonald's than it is to walk into the kitchen. So you have to create an environment. Of course, I understand that free will still plays a part and you have to take responsibility for your actions. But one of the things even Carol and I were talking about is that sometimes wives make it hard on their husbands in these situa- these sexual situations, and sometimes husbands make it hard on wives. We were talking about that today, how, you know, we, 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 we know the Bible teaches that our bodies don't even belong to ourselves, they belong to our spouse. Paul taught that, by the way, if you didn't know. Your body, wives, doesn't belong to you, it belongs to your husband, and the husband's body belongs to the wife. And Paul said you should never come apart from sexual relationship unless for a short period of time you want to pause for prayer and fasting. But that it, it doesn't mean you have to pause during prayer and fasting. He said it's the only time that you should pause sexual relationship if you're going to pause it. And there's wives that will use sex like a manipulation tactic. Well, if you don't do the things I'm telling you to do, if you, you, you know, enjoy a cold bed. You know, I mean, that's guys will come home and they'll they'll try to use it. See, if I talk to her, I'll go sleep on the couch. I'll go sleep in another room. She's not going to see. I'm not even going to talk to her. And they create environments that make it hard. You try living that extended environment for a week, two weeks, a month, and and it makes it hard. And then what do you do? You go to work. You work around people. You know that are think you're awesome and give you compliments all the time or whatever it might be. And then you're in a place of a weakened state. And you've created, once again, your own problems. I'm not saying it always happens this way, but this is one of the things that needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. Remember, talk about that because you've dealt with it on your podcast about yeah, how, podcast you, how you feel. Why you should be having more sex. Right. <laughs> but here's the prescription for wandering eyes. Proverbs 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own well. Share your love with only your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Mm. Ladies or men. Thanks for joining us on the broadcast today, guys. Get that mustache off. <laughs> this, this well is shut. <laughs> Shutting down the well till the mustache is shaved. <laughs> Oh my god. Back to the back to the teaching. Back to the teaching. But listen, like you said, if you're shutting down the well because you're always tired, you're always busy with kids, you're always putting yourself first, you're always this, you're always that, you're always full of excuses. 
don't be shocked when he uh, gets uh, happy from other ladies or vice versa. Gets happy. <laughs> no, I'm saying like get, gets happy no, from know, other ladies giving him compliments. Oh, of course, yeah. Because men and women need to have, you know, compliments, their ego lifted up. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but wow. you know, you have to speak. Into your husband's life, you have to speak as a husband into your wife's life. You right. you have to raise them up on a pedestal. Well, think about it's this too, be, that because you speak encouraging words, you speak love, you speak to their life. And you think about the fact that you're you're t- you're making choices that actually create an environment of love in your home, of intimacy in your home. You can say whatever you want when you come back together with your wife or husband in a sexual relationship. It's like hitting the reset button on your relationship and things things begin to melt away. And when that's withheld, then it feels like a hardness builds up, a callus, <laughs> a callus, a callus builds up. I wasn't looking at the comments. It feels, it feels like a callus builds up in between your relationship. And then the more, I'm not going to even say it. And the more that, the more that you do that, the, the harder things get be- between you and your wife, between you and your husband. And it's it's a mistake. It's a total mistake. It's part of. So this is what I'm saying. When you when you realize my body belongs to her, hers belongs to me, it's even if I don't feel like it at the time, it's a sacrifice. It's a seed I'm sowing into our relationship, into that relationship of love. And and that's the truth. It's that there are, there may, of course, there's going to be times when you're tired. Of course, there will be. We're not saying that there's not going to but be, of course. But if you're tired uh, 29 days out of the month. <laughs> there's a problem. There's a problem. Hey, how about this? Find another time, right? Listen, listen. find another time. If you're Ladies, if you're always tired at night after a day of taking care of the kids and cooking and doing everything that you're doing or going out on your job, you come back from work and you're home, you know what? Get up an hour earlier in the morning, guys and ladies. I agree, Dave. No, seriously, get up, get up an hour earlier if you have to, because don't act like it's not important. Paul would not have made that teaching available to the Christians. That was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Think about that, because he understood how important the sexual relationship that God created for a husband and wife is. It destroys marriages if it's not there. If something's always making you tired, uh, don't. Don't let the intimacy suffer. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to make whatever you're doing make less you less busy, tired. <laughs> less tired. Absolutely. Because becoming roommate status is the worst. Yeah, it's horrible. And then that's what happens when you put your kids before your marriage and then you grow apart and become estranged because everything's focused on the kids and never each other. They move out, you've got a roommate. That you have to like relearn how to like date again, love you each other again. That, at that age. And, 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 and people, and then they start, and it's just, I'm just telling you, it's like the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. So don't withhold love from your husband or wife. Don't ever use it as a manipulation tactic. Don't ever use it to show how you're mad at them and how you're, because it's, it's ridiculous. It's unscriptural and it's you rebelling against what the Bible says. Your body belongs to her men. Her body, ladies, your body belongs to your husband. You are one now. You're one and should remember that you are one. You're not two separate individuals anymore. You are one unit. 
Absolutely. Do not wear face masks in bed, Michael Well, we might make exceptions this month, even though as much as I hate them for him, not me. She hates the mustache. I don't have a mustache. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God Carolyn doesn't have a mustache. (laughs) And then let's, let's deal with number one before we pray. A lack of commitment. I know 10 things was a lot to show you, but we wanted to go through these today. A lack of commitment is number one. A we lack don't want to commitment. do this again tomorrow. I'm just kidding. Here, here, here's <laughs> the deal. We're talking about, we just came out off of infidelity, all that. But a lack of commitment, think about this. And Mike, yours looks good too. Um, a lack of commitment means this. There are things that she needs me to be able to do for her in our house, in our life, with our children. How hard is it? How hard is it if she's the only one that ever does anything for the children or ever does anything for, you know, uh, the work that needs to be done? You know, if I just refused, if I just said, listen, I make the money, I go to work, you got everything else. Well, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard on her. I'm not committed to the relationship. I don't try to make it easy for her by any means. I just, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not washing dishes. I'm not going to vacuum. I'm not going to help the kids get their lunch. I'm not going to, I'm not doing anything. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. That's right. You cannot split that 100 up. No, it's 100-100. on both sides. It's 100 from her, 100 from me. You say 50-50 and it's not right. No, no. Absolutely not. Because you can you can only ever, if you want things to work, just like anything else in life, whether it be working out, whether it be a diet, whether it be a small business, whatever it is, if you want it to work, you've got to give everything you've got to that goal. Never slack off. Never slack off. And understand how this and this, even though we used to be separated, after marriage, we came together. It's 100, 100, 100, 100. Faith, if you, re, if you reread what you wrote, you'll have your answer. So, we don't have to tell you. Yeah, exactly right. If you reread exactly what you wrote, you have your answer. That's what I'm saying. You, we get our answers. We have uh, somebody going, hey, listen to me. Well, look, faith faith is in, and just to help you, she said, I would like to have no fear. I only see the disaster to be. Stop seeing the disaster that it will be. And she's on the fence. Right. If you're you're on on the fence about it, you're already got a word inside you. Something may not be right there. It might be the Holy Spirit who's giving you a, a warning ahead of time before you get married. Think about that. Maybe the Holy Spirit is giving, pricking your heart, giving you a conviction that maybe this is not right. Maybe this is not the one for you. It's important. I don't think people should make lifelong decisions without prayer and fasting. See, she says, I already shared huge concerns. Right. So. There were no concerns when we got the green light to marry each other. Right. Does it mean that through our marriage, we haven't worked on things that changed as we grew more in the word of God as we grew together. Because yes, everyone gets married and comes into stuff that they've got to cut off and fix and tweak a little bit here. Yeah. You know, living with my parents for, you know, I, I went to college for a year and a half and lived on my own. But other than that, I lived with my parents. And then when I moved to Virginia Beach, I, I lived with them again until I got married at 23. And so you were raised 
by a family and that's all you knew. But coming into this marriage together with him who was raised by different parents, he had an idea of things, I had an idea of things, and then we had to work it out together with the word of God. Those are things that can be worked out. Yeah. But if there's some major things where you said you're on the fence about stuff and it has to do with like major issues, it, it, that kind of stuff, the Holy Spirit's giving you a red flag at saying, hey, th- yeah. these are things that are not going to be changed and, and fixed Absolutely. until this falls into line. Labanita is asking on YouTube, how many times am I supposed to forgive my unbeliever spouse for his repeated unfaithfulness through our marriage? The answer to that is you should always forgive him But whether or not you stay in that marriage relationship is at this point your choice. And if you feel the faith to continue to believe for him because he's your husband, stay in the marriage, show Christ to him through through that, that's your choice. Uh, Unfaithfulness in a marriage is like the only reason in the Bible for divorce, really. I mean, obviously you want to protect yourself from physical abuse and that kind of stuff, but uh, from Christ... Unless they've been unfaithful in marriage, you know, outside of the marriage. So, La Bonita, the answer to that is um, you you should always forgive him as a Christian. You should never hold a grudge in your heart. You should never walk in unforgiveness, obviously. But staying in the marriage, if you've got the faith God can change him, that he'll come into the kingdom, you know, you can do that. But you're not forced to is the answer that I'm, I'm giving you. You're not forced to stay. According to scripture, you're not forced to stay. But you can pray about it and let the spirit lead you. If you feel to stay and believe God that he'll be, you, I mean, you can still believe God that he'll be, be saved and come into the kingdom if you're not married to him. But you may feel from the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to stay in that marriage and continue to show him. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that Mike, that that's, that's something that would be definitely understandable. If somebody was physically abusive, you don't want to keep yourself in a place where the temple of the Holy spirit is just being completely destroyed, uh, physically by somebody else. And, uh, and you're, you're taking that on. I would be, I would feel the same. I, I wouldn't right. put up with that either. But if you're annoyed because he didn't hang your curtains, right. That's not it's not the same thing. <laughs> right. And even, even, even verbal abuse, you know, you, and I understand verbal abuse is a real thing and it ba- and it causes, like I said earlier, I, I said that earlier, you know, words carry power and, uh, but verbal abuse is not the same as physical abuse. You can die from physical abuse. You, you won't die from verbal abuse, but I understand it is a heavy thing and it weighs people down and it makes them feel like dying sometimes when it gets heavy. So you have to trust the Lord, but this is why we're saying that this is why when you're getting ready to be married, you have to uh, understand that these things are important. Marriage is extremely, extremely important. And you should never, ever, you should never, ever flippantly make a decision to be married. I think it's always a prayer and fasting decision. It's always a prayer and fasting decision. Don't ever flippantly choose to be married. Don't ever flippantly choose uh, who you'll spend the rest of your life with. That's a foolish mistake. It's life or death. And uh, God and will lead you. You said it was major, what'd she say? Major things. Yeah, major concerns. She said they are major. Mm-hmm. So so pray and ask the Lord. Let him lead you. Don't jump into it. Fast. Let him lead you. Pray about it. Absolutely. Well, we want to pray for you guys. 
uh, here at the end of the broadcast and believe God with you that whether you're not married yet... Did you say women can make things very hard on a man? Of course. Um, whether you're married or whether you're not married and you're, you're still waiting to find the right one, if you are married and you feel like you're in a struggle, God can heal it. God can make it right. If you're not married and you're believing for the right one, please be led by the Spirit. Fast and pray. Don't flippantly make that decision. Make it based upon the leading of the Holy Ghost. And as you do, that's how you walk into victory. And if you're in a relationship right now that's not quite working, maybe you're believing for your husband or wife to be saved, maybe, maybe healed, whatever, whatever it may be, stay in faith. God's a healer. He's a restorer of broken things. So he can heal a marriage as much as he can heal blind eyes. If he can raise the dead, he can raise your relationship back to life. Don't give up hope and don't give up faith. So let us pray for you today as we're getting ready to, uh, to close the broadcast. And I believe God will create miracles in your own family and relationship. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for every man and woman watching today. We ask you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, if they're already mar married and battling things in their marriage, restore that marriage in Jesus' name. For those that are married to an unsaved husband or wife, I pray that you'd quickly bring them into the kingdom of God this year in Jesus' mighty name, by the power of God. Let them hear the gospel. Let them come quickly into the kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are not yet married, I pray that you would lead them and guide them by your Holy Spirit to the right one the one who you've planned for us to be with. That's the key, finding your plan for our lives. Your word declares that you are the Lord God that teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. So lead us, Lord, and let it be the right decision in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. We give you glory and praise. This is our month of miracles. This is our year of violent increase. Yes. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, everything that's working against us, turn it in our favor this year. Bring our families into the kingdom. Maybe we have unsaved children. Bring the children into the kingdom. Restore the family in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. Those that are battling with sickness and disease in their marriage relationship, we curse that attack of the enemy, that spirit of infirmity the Bible speaks of, and we lose healing virtue to every man and woman in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for that, and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 And you know, for you who are, you know, standing in agreement with this prayer, when you get that decision, pray after and say, Lord, make me strong. Mm -hmm. Keep my feet planted in this decision that you've given to me. Don't let outside voices sway you. Stick with the decision. I've had to make lots of hard decisions, and that's one of the prayers I always say after. I'm like, Lord, I know I'm going to get some backlash, or I know people aren't going to agree, or I know I could hear something that could easily persuade my mind. I said, make me strong. Make me a rock in this decision. And he's always helped me. He's always been able to let things go in one year and out the other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me let us encourage you to sow a seed. One of the greatest things that we ever did in our own personal marriage is make the decision to put God first. It's the best decision we ever made in any area of life. God is first in this home and in this marriage. And because he is, then God puts us first. You've heard us say it many times. 
that I would never put her over God, she'd never put me over God. How do we work that out practically? We don't do things for ourselves or each other if we've not done more for the Lord. We, we, we say that all the time, and it's been our standard in marriage. You know, I'm not going to buy her a $2,000 piece of jewelry if we've never given God $2,000. That, that shows us, that shows God that we think her jewelry is more important than his kingdom. We'll never do that, ever. We'll never do that. And so the key being, we put him first. And the way we do that is that as, as he always speaks and leads us and guides us, we're seed sowers. We'll always be seed sowers. You have great faith for sowing seed. And one of the things I love about my wife is that she'll come to me. And think about how mature this is uh, of a wife or a husband to do. That she'll come to me sometimes in her spirit and feel, even if we've been at a serious level of sowing for, for a period of time. You know, I can remember the, when we went beyond, you know, it was a big deal for us to, to sow $1,000 seeds mm-hmm. early on in our marriage. And we used to, we used to sow that and we'd feel the anointing and we'd sow uh, time after time after time after time, $1,000, $1,000, $1,000. I can remember when you came to me the first time and said, I just, I don't feel the same about a $1,000 seed anymore. I don't feel the same faith in it like we used to have to step out in. The Lord's speaking to us to increase our level of sowing. And we felt, we knew in our spirit, we couldn't go any further if we wouldn't level up our giving. So what did we start doing? We leveled up our giving. Why? We didn't feel that it took the same faith anymore to sow $1,000 seeds when we were sowing them because God had increased us because of our giving. And because he increased us, it's like the point I made, I think it was yesterday, where if a millionaire gave $1,000 and someone who had $1,500 in the bank gave $1,000, they're not the same seed. They're two very different seeds. The millionaire doesn't feel it. The other person feels it very much. And when God started increasing us financially, we weren't feeling it in our faith as much as we used to because God raised us up. So what did we do? We raised our giving to the place where our faith started feeling it again, right? Yep. And have continued doing that level after level after level because there was a time $2,000 didn't feel faith anymore and $2,500 and $5,000 didn't feel faith anymore. So you have to keep on raising your level as God raises you. And if God raises you, you're required to go higher with your promotion. You know, it's like when we were kids, you know, she does it with our kids now. You know, Teddy will want to give an offering. Brooklyn will want to give an offering. So she'll take out a dollar or $2 or whatever it might be to go into your children's church class and, and give this in the offering. Well, Teddy's four as of a you know, couple weeks ago. He's four years old. He was three. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing when a three-year-old walks into church with a dollar bill. It's another <laughs> thing when a 33-year-old walks into church with a $1 bill. Very different. So you've got to level up. And so we want to encourage you. If you're believing for financial increase in your marriage and in your life, your ministry, it comes by seed sowing. And so you've got to step out in faith and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And so all the instructions are on the screen for those of you that are uh, sowing seeds. Hashtag donates available on Facebook and on Periscope or Twitter. Uh, If you're in the United States, you can use Cash App or Venmo. PayPal is available, but the easiest way to give is by going to miracleword.com. No matter where you are in the world, 
You can sow a seed on the website. You can partner with us on the website on a monthly basis. And you're not just a part of seeing the gospel preached and people being saved and seeing harvest come back to your own life. But as you saw at the beginning of the broadcast, we are in the top of the top of givers to feed the hungry. Kids all over the world are being fed because of your faithfulness and because of your giving. And God actually, he accredits that to your account as well. And so you're a part of this ministry and we say, uh, thank you for being a part. We love you. And for those of you that are sowing, remember this, you are an answer to prayer. You're an answer to our prayers. We've actually prayed, God, attach people to this ministry that are believing for souls to be saved and for the world to be changed before Jesus comes back. So Absolutely. remember, you're an answer to we prayer. We appreciate you. And you're growing as we're growing. Yeah. I mean, you get to be right alongside us at meetings, even if you're not able there. As our ministry grows and increases, God's given us some exciting things uh, that are coming up. And so you're growing as we grow. And just like at, when you sow, you're yep. receiving the blessing too. You're receiving the blessing of the souls that are, are listening to this message. You're receiving financial increase for sowing into this ministry. Absolutely. So partner with us today. Stand alongside us as we do what we're called to do. No question. We love you and appreciate you immensely. I say Absolutely. that to him all the time and to people. And we pray for I'm you always, by name. Always appreciative. No question. Let me say this. Everybody that's sowing and partnering with us this month, my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan of Full Turn Church, wrote a phenomenal book, Heir of Power, uh, that's our gift to you uh, on your identity with Christ, as well as it also speaks of the inheritance that you have with Jesus. And so this is going to be our gift to you this month as you're sowing. And uh, we say a big thank you to everybody that's giving. Don't worry. I just thought the rapture took place. The rapture did not take place. But uh, Carolyn had a call because we have a meeting right after this. So the person I think is on their way or they're close to being here. If you thought that the rapture happened, it did not. See, I can prove it. Look, here's someone who I know is saved. <laughs> hey, you want to go another hour? <laughs> <laughs> and so we say a big thank you. And then, of course, everybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, we're sending you the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible. And coming next week is the hardcover with a dust jacket version of Further Faster that we're going to sign and send to all of you that partner with us at $1,000 or more. Uh, it's our way of saying thank you. We love you. Pray for my wife. She's dislocated her shoulder carrying groceries. Oh, I gave, thought you were telling oh, them thought, that. Like, I, I did that. She like, just gave birth to our daughter last week. Oh, man. She just gave birth and you've got her carrying groceries. Andrew, watch this program when we're done. <laughs> we are praying for her and are believing God that God will touch her shoulder and heal her body. And congratulations again to you guys uh, for the brand new baby. Very, very exciting. Babies. Very exciting. We Lots love you guys. Don't forget, we got stuff for your kids as well. The new tumblers. Uh, are available as well as look at this beautiful face of Lucy Lukens. I love it. Absolutely phenomenal. All kinds of stuff available for you guys at shop.miracleword.com. Don't forget this month, miracleword.com forward slash study. It's the New Testament challenge. It's great. We love you so much. Thank you for hanging with us today. Thank you for being a part of everything that uh, God's doing in this ministry. We appreciate you guys. Yes. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. 10.30 a.m.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.